Hello everybody this is coach bala here welcome to yet another podcast with fellow runners luminaries um experts in different fields that are connected to running and doctors you know last time we did a a podcast with a with a psychiatrist so that's what we're going to do and in that uh, genre i am so excited to bring another guest uh, to have a, a very interesting exciting discussion uh at, and bring it to all of you uh but for those of you who have never seen this before or the first uh, episode you're seeing this uh in as part of the runners high uh, running program uh you know we believe that you know every week we do coaching uh sort of uh, weekend messages that i provide for our runners that's like a learning from coach to the runners but we also know that learning happens 360 degrees from all directions and this podcast with fellow runners and others uh is an attempt for us to listen and learn from experiences from others that's really what uh, this was it's about i think 100 episodes or so we have already done uh, it's a very satisfying thing for me as well as a very uh, rich popular uh, sort of content from our runners i community as well so that's what it is so without much further ado let me invite my special guest to the program and uh, welcome and why don't we start with a little bit of an introduction with about yourself in your own words and we go from there <clears throat> hi bala thanks for having me here and hi everyone who's listening uh, my name is jafar ismail i we have been part of uh, runners high with bala and uh, bala's friend for a long long time and a uh, little bit about myself i grew up in india my father was in the indian air force so i cannot say that i grew up at i belong to one specific city i think i belong to entire all, all of india i've uh, and then after my schooling i did my college in the marine engineering college in calcutta uh, same alma i shared the alma mater with with bala and after college i sailed on ships in the merchant navy for a few years before coming to the us and uh, like many of the indians <laughs> uh started my career in the tech industry here uh in the in the 90s and you know went through that and until about a few years ago uh i left the tech industry to join my wife who's a serial entrepreneur and i'm working with her uh managing one of some, one of our businesses amazing amazing and uh and jafar you know there's so many uh, apart from having a common alma mater as a commonality i think we also share many more things in common isn't it why don't we throw some light there well we share our love of running our love of uh, uh, outdoors hiking uh, being just being in the outdoors enjoying the outdoors living life it's not it's it's always the journey not the destination that we try to focus on yeah. and living every day to its fullest with friends with like minded friends helping each other achieve uh, what we sometimes think is the impossible yeah and we have i think uh, um, ladies and gentlemen 2012 early early days of my half marathon career my path crossed with uh, uh jafar uh, in this annals of running and what happened there jafar <laughs> yeah i think we we were just discussing on one of we met at one of the lunch parties or something and we discussed there was a, a half marathon coming up in danbury connecticut which is about 2 hours away from where i am maybe about 2 uh, and 1/2 hours from where you are and uh, we just decided to actually you suggested that i should run it until then the longest i had run was maybe 4 or 5 miles at most 
but then with your suggestion, we, we, I mean, you picked me up, we went, we ran the race. And when I was finishing up, that's when I saw the time, the finishing time was, I was able to do it at sub two. So I finished at one uh, fifty-nine and um, 12 seconds, I think. Without training, guys. This is, you know, why, <laughs> why it's interesting is this is Japan is like, uh, is a different, uh, you know, it makes a different, raw material is different, you know, it's an athletic, strong, weird, strong body. He can make things happen if he puts his mind to it. And I've seen it now. And we have similarly, we have done mountains together. This is the early days. And then we have done many half marathons together, just ourselves, just me and Jaffer doing it. Nobody around us were running at that time. Just we two will do Rutgers like that. I think a bunch of them we did. Mountains. Rutgers became sort of a ritual. And ritual. A ritual <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right? I, I would, every morning I would come to your house. Renu would drop us to the uh, starting point. And then yeah. we would finish the race. Renu would pick us up, bring us back to your house. And that Abs- was it. Absolutely. And how many mountains we have done together, Jaffer? Oh, boy. Starting from Kilimanjaro, uh, 2012. That was uh, my first exposure. Again, thanks to you, Bala. Uh, we, I think uh, you, it was somewhere in 2011 when you suggested that we should do that mountain. And then, like like everything you do, you organize a group, big group together. Uh, we had a uh, lot of people with different athletic uh, prowess. And uh, about 19 of us went and climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. And I think everybody submitted except for one person who ah. was stopped at the Gilman point, did not come to the last. Like, you know, we did, like Kelly, we did, we did EBC together. We did uh, Elbrus in Russia together. Uh, oh, yes. Those were, those were some of the harder climbs that we did. And uh, not to mention our uh, hikes in uh, Switzerland. Switzerland. Oh, yeah. Switzerland hikes. And smaller hikes like Mount Washington. I mean, basically, I hope uh, uh, the audience, you get the point. Um, this is something like our lives have intertwined so beautifully in multiple ways. And we just enjoy each other's company. We are here. We do things together. You know, while uh, Jaffer has not officially been an RHWB runner, but he is the biggest supporter of RHWB. Always there from season two, one onwards or race day. He's always runs for us. He volunteers for us. His wife volunteered for us. I mean, it's just an out-and-out RSWBN uh, at heart. Uh, I'm a big fan of what you've done, Bala. And I think from the first time when you had the kids, when we were going for that uh, Rutgers Half Marathon, you had all the kids. And what, what is it that you did, the New Zealand thing? <laughs> or the haka, thing? haka dance. <laughs> haka dance. And then that was, that was an amazing. And I was so impressed by how you inspired those little those kids who would probably would have been playing on their, on their phones to come out and run the half marathon. The, the, many of them completed that day. It yeah. was very, and, and then I think that was the start of the RHWB and look where you have come today. It's I mean, one right. amazing journey. That's correct. So, uh, and then a little bit about your family, Jaffer. What's the, you, you did say you are a, uh, talk a little bit about your family, actually. Okay. Such a, well, Lubna and I, we have been married for 30, 32 years now and uh, we have five kids. And uh, four of our kids have grown. They're all working now. And uh, my last one is in college, Sammy. Sammy, by the way, was with us on the Everest Base Camp uh, track. And uh, Sammy is in college. And my uh, my second son actually got married. And we also have a grandson now. So you are a granddad officially, even though you don't yes. look like a granddad by any stretch of imagination. Not just, not just a dada by name. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So here we are, a regular, like any other person, 
a regular person, regular family with some good interests, uh, a natural athlete, done some mountain, mountaineering, uh, not crazy stuff, but, you know, definitely did some good stuff, challenged ourselves, uh, a beautiful family, a granddad right now, uh, you know, and uh, it's that is Jaffer. But uh, so, Jaffer, let's move on to the next question here. So what's happening in your life right now? Like what's uh, what's something that's brewing in your right, uh, in your life right now? Well, after a lot of things that have gone on in my life with the and uh, with the climbing, running, and all that, I made a decision to climb Mount Everest uh, this summer. What? <laughs> let's let's pause for a second. Yeah, what happened here? How did this escalate so quickly? I thought I was just painting a picture of a regular granddad, just a regular guy like us. And then the next question, you take us to the top of the Everest, or at least that's your attempt. That's incredible, ma'am. The very fact. I, number yeah. one thing, I'm still a regular guy. <laughs> 95% of the people in the mountains are regular people like like us. Or it's only the 2 to 5% of the people are professionals. So I still I am a regular guy. <laughs> it is a dream that I have that I believe can, I can take it to fruition this summer. And uh, I'm working towards it. Wow. First of all, let's step back for a second. Uh, audience, that's why I named this podcast Ordinary People Trying to Do or Doing Extraordinary Things. Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things is the core of RSWB. And what better example than what just Jaffer talked about? An ordinary, regular person thinking of doing something truly extraordinary, which is trying to summit Mount Everest. Uh, now, we can't belittle that in any stretch of it. Just because you thought about it doesn't mean that it's going to happen. We all have climbed our share of mountains. And uh, so quickly, can you walk me through what led to this decision? It can't be that suddenly one day you woke up and said, I want to go to Mount Everest, right? So there has to be some process here. What happened? Definitely, definitely not. I think uh, over the years of climbing, I mean, of course, when you go on any climbing trip, I don't think a discussion of Mount Everest does not happen. In every mountain, whether you're climbing any mountain, uh, even Mount Washington, people talk about Everest. So that climbing Mount Everest, summiting Mount Everest has always been, I mean, of course, like Edmund, Sir Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay, have, they are the epitomes of the, the heroes of, of the climbing world. Uh, so no discussion is without that. So, uh, 2019, when we went up to uh, when we went up to Everest Base Camp, and I had the opportunity of walking up to the base camp in the early morning light, I was able to set my eyes on Mount Everest. I could actually see it, and I was gauging the distance was about three miles away as crows fly, and that's when I was thinking, even though it is it looks so near, how how much how far that is, and I was at that time it was just a hope: will I ever be able to get there? And then we came back from there, 2020, we went to Ecuador, did some climbs, and this this is the time when I took all my kids, and uh, we climbed, uh, you know, uh, Cotopaxi, we tried Cayambe, Chimborazo, we were not able to, because of weather, we turned back. And then, uh, about a year and a half ago, I was, I had, I saw an opportunity to climb Mount Aconcagua, which happens to be the highest peak outside of Asia. And this was a climb that was, uh, and everybody has heard of uh, Nirmal Purja, the 14 peaks guy. 
So he he was I had the opportunity to climb with the climb Mount Aconcagua with him, uh, and he was the personal guide that we had. And uh, when when we were I had many discussions with Nims on the on that climb, and I was, and he is the one who actually said when I told him that you know Mount Everest seems like a goal that is that is only a goal. I don't know if I'll be able to achieve it, but he said. No, he one day he said, "Why do you think uh, uh, you know you cannot achieve it?" Then he gave me an example of many people in his team who had climbed Mount Everest. They were yes, uh, you know, more or less like like uh, like me. So after I completed the summit of uh, Mount Aconcagua, I got a congratulatory uh, text from Nims himself, and uh, he said in that, "Okay, hopefully we will climb Mount Everest together." And that's when I kind of let it rest for some time. But then a few weeks later, I said, you know what? I have I have done something. Mount Aconcagua seemed unachievable a few months ago, but I managed to do it. And if I were to put my mind to it and I had about a year to train, I said, let me, let me uh, set my goals to climb Mount Everest. And uh, that's very good. Motion. And here, wow. you are, here I am. So, so when I think about this audience, here is this person, this transition from what I was, we were talking to a person who has even the courage and the audacity to think about, you know, I don't have the audacity to even think about climbing Everest. Definitely Jafar has crossed mm-hmm. that Lakshman Rekha, so to speak. And that transition did happen just on, on a day. That's basically the, the story that comes across. Climbed Elbrus. 19,000 feet, Kilimanjaro, 19,000 feet, uh, around that, Katapaxi, again, another 19, 20K feet. He summited with me Labuche, which is my highest uh, PR, around 20,500 feet. Then he goes and does uh, Chimbaraso, uh, sorry, tried Chimbaraso by weather, comes back. Then he goes now and conquers Aconcagua, which is what, 24,000 feet or something? 23,000 feet. 23,000 feet. So you are talking of someone who is been in the high altitude or experienced high altitude climbing. And Kilimanjaro was 2011. So it's a good 11 years of mountaineering sort of an expedition. But that doesn't mean in any way that Everest is any less uh, uh, effort. That's like an, going from half marathon to an ultra marathon. It's almost like that. It's a, it's a big step. But there is a path to that. And that path is something he felt that if I put my mind to that, I can, you know, I've done a half marathon or full marathon. I think I can train well for an ultra marathon, which is what uh, Everest uh, thought process is. So Jaffer, before we talk about how do, what, what are you doing right now from a training and all that standpoint, uh, can you just walk us through like maybe not a long one, but a short one because people have access to how to climb Everest. I had a small sort of slide that I can share. Talk about how does one go to Everest? What happens? Like, you know, typically what, what does it entail? Well, a typical itinerary is we start with the, you know, everybody going to Everest Base Camp uh, does the EBC track. So fly to into Lukla, uh, you know, track from Lukla all the way to Namche Bazaar, to uh, Gorakshep. I'm, I'm skipping a lot of uh, spots, stop, spots on the way. And then finally to the Everest Base Camp. And after the EBC track, this is where the EBC track ends. Most majority of the people will return back. Either some of them will walk back, some of them will take the chopper back. Now the people that will want to summit Everest at this point 
uh, the first thing they would do is go on some training climbs. And typically, training climbs are on Mount Labuche, which is something Bala, you and I did in 2019. Yeah. And, and that is one of... Uh, one of the more difficult climbs that you know I ha I have done, uh, considering and, and technical as well. So that is like a training climb. And after you come back, uh, you have about four weeks of what they call rotations, where they will take you from the base camp over to the across the ice fall, the Kimbu ice fall. This is the one of the most famous videos you'll find on the YouTube where you walk across a crevasse, big crevasse over a ladder, and and then go up to camp one and then come come back down. The idea is to acclimatize. You go to camp one, spend some time there, come back down. So this way your body acclimatizes, your, you get the, uh, to, the, to the altitude. Next, you go up to camp two and come, come back down, come back to camp one. Then you go up to camp three and you come back down. So this is done over a couple of weeks. So this way your body is acclimatized. And then around May 15th, through May 27th is considered the most favorable window to climb Mount Everest. And that is when you make the attempt to go up to camp four. And from the camp four onwards is the uh, altitude uh, from there, is, it's called the death zone. And the reason it is called the death zone is because at that altitude, the body cells do not regenerate. So if, you, if somebody were to just go, even a healthy person were to go at that altitude and stay there, the body would eventually die because the cells are not regenerating. Your cells need to regenerate. So you're in the death zone. So in the death zone, you are, you have uh, to, uh, you can survive for up to 48 hours. So the goal is once you get up to camp four, within 48 hours, you go up to the summit and you come back down to the uh, camp four. So, so this is the whole whole journey. So once you come back, uh, come back, and then you, uh, you know, descend back to the base camp and that's when your climb is complete. Wow. And what is the total from, let's say, you leaving New Jersey where you live right now, what is the time it takes from New Jersey to hopefully a successful summit bid and back to Everest base camp? What's the time? It is a total of eight weeks. So we will, now my itinerary currently calls for that we will start our climb on uh, April 3rd from, uh, from Nepal. Uh, from sorry, Kathmandu. We'll fly into Lukla and climb to. We'll get up to uh, Everest Base Camp by the 13th, and then we climb uh, Labuche. I don't know if it's going to be east or the west peak, but then come back down, and then we start rotations. And after that, it is going to be the four weeks of uh, training with acclimatization and with the ice climbing and other things. And then we make our summit attempt. Wow. So. Door to door, it's about eight weeks of time. I mean, I am part uh, jealous and I'm part also nervous because jealous because, man, four weeks, eight weeks in Himalayas, I just went for 10 days, two trips, 10, 10, 20 days, and it was paradise. And now you are talking about being in the Everest Trail. Oh, my God, not just the Everest Base Camp Trail. Uh, it's, it's a whole new ball game. Um, well, I'm very, very, very excited, Bala. And uh, this is something like, you know, a chance, a shot to have my dream, a childhood dream uh, uh, come true. I'm also very, very nervous because I am by no means am I, I, I don't want to be overconfident. It is, the success rate is not that great. Everybody can uh, look at that. And uh, again, I firmly believe that 
the goal is not to summit, but to summit and ret- come back. Return, not just summit and return. Return. Whether return. it happens or not is a separate story. But yes. return safely is most important. Correct. If summit happens, fantastic. Even if summit doesn't happen, it's still fantastic because you have reached a, a certain height that you have never reached before in the Everest Trail. Oh, wow. Exactly. That's incredible. It's by itself. Um, so talk to me a little bit, very short. What's your training right now? How does it, uh, what are you doing right now for training? So as part of this, when I started this, uh, when I when this thought came to me and I thought how I would train to uh, uh, get to the Everest. And at that time, the same thing, we had the New York City full ma- the marathon. Uh, I had signed up for it because of the nine plus one and I was, so I started a professional training class with the uh, I with one of the uh, U.S. athletic uh, coach uh, right here in Northern Jersey. So he, I started working with him, and he's uh, he trained me. And I think following a very structured training plan, it wasn't a it wasn't just volume. It was a combination of volume plus some specific uh, training workouts training. that yeah. we did twice a week. Now, he is very particular about this. Like, you know, if you're going to do hills, you're only doing hills in a certain time. So training for the marathon really helped me condition my body to complete the marathon and without injury. I was I was myself surprised that, you know, after three or four days after marathon, I was able to go for a, go for a run. My, and I will, and I have, since then I've been running. So normally recovery time is one to two weeks. But for me, in about four or five days, I was... I was recovered enough to go for go for a run, and then my next goal I told my coach was I have to go. I want to go. I'm going to Mount. Uh, uh, I'm planning summit Mount Everest, and uh, how do I condition myself? So he says, Yeah, we'll we'll work on it so that you'll uh, your workouts will be to improve your leg strength, and also work on the stamina. So I'm following his training plan every week. In addition to that, of course, you know. Practice, try to practice yoga. Although I would like to do it more regularly than I would. There was a time I was doing, I was very regular, like doing it daily. But now I'm, I have slacked off a bit. But I do, I, I'm getting back into it, and I find that not only to be, uh, you know, good for my mind, good for my body, but it's also good for my mind and tries to calm things down and put things in perspective. Allows me to meditate. So, and the third thing is after speaking to other many other people who have climbed Mount Everest and seeking their advice. Uh, what everybody has told me is try to get there in the best physical health possible and with a, with a mind that is ready to learn because the re- real learning will start, start once you get up to the base camp and once you go on ro- rotations. Yeah, and then one month of training there. It's not like uh, you're going up and down, up and down and doing so many yeah. things. It's like that. It's a solid training. And then, uh, hey, listen, man, this is exciting. All the very best for that. What is the, you know, what on the financial side, I know it's a, it's a, what is the uh, total, uh, you know, damage that you are expecting for this? If, if we call uh, it- I don't know if I, I would call it damage because I would, I think it's a more of an investment because I think this is more of an investment. Yep. It is going to enriching, enrich my experience. It is going to, it will, the cost is uh, now with the, uh, our friend Rajan, I'm I'm climbing with him, and the cost is around fifty thousand. Fifty thousand US, but you're right. I mean, I was just joking as damage, but I think it is more like, you know, I see your success as a beacon of benchmark. 
You know, it's all about benchmark, right? If you remember when we were doing ourselves alone, for us, half marathon was a large thing. Nobody around yeah. us was doing any runs, just two of us and maybe one other couple of other crazies like us were doing. That's pretty much it. But then now, thanks to the benchmark that has been set by so many people in half marathon, full marathon, we have so many folks able to do it because it's about the benchmark, the mental benchmark that somebody like me that I can relate to can do a full marathon, then maybe I can do a half marathon. That's the way human body works and human mind works. And when I see this beautiful story, I can see that if you can succeed, then, you know, there is just a matter of time. Few more Jaffers will be following suit, uh, you know, because it just opens up a people's... Uh, it, will, it will definitely open up the door. Whether, I, whether or not I summit or not, I think it will open the door for, again, as we said, for normal people or ordinary people to achieve the extraordinary. Whether exactly. or not I submit, because ultimately it will it'll be the mountain that will decide if I will have the opportunity to get up to the summit or not. But one thing is for certain, even if I, I don't summit, somebody else behind me will, will get up there and will stand on the summit. That's true. Right. That's what they say, right? Make sure that you leave your footprint larger than your foot. This is what it means. The leadership of, you know, doing something so that your footprint people can follow and do maybe more. And that's the best that's satisfaction you can take, get. Take the next step forward. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so, so I'm assuming there would be opportunities for us to sort of do our bit uh, from a sponsorship and that standpoint. Yes. Um, is that right? That is correct. So the the cost of fifty thousand is while achievable, but uh, I also humbly seek help from you know help and contribution for anybody who wants to help me in this endeavor. And uh, you know so that when I am climbing up and I'm at camp camp four, I can feel in my heart that this would be this was achieved by the contribution of so many of my friends here. Exactly. It is not the denomination that counts. It is the act that counts because it just means that there are so many of well-wishers there for you taking part, our doing our small part in your uh, humongous attempt. Um, so folks, in this, I want to make a small announcement at this point, which is very interesting. So uh, we have been thinking at RHWB as well that we have such a beautiful community of runners and amazing human beings over the years. Uh, we have uh, garnered almost 1,500 people have gone through the, maybe more, have gone through the, the RHWB, call it the running program. And even just this season alone, we have 850 folks running right now. Um, so, you know, there, it always, uh, you know, and our entire belief, Jafar, as you know, is about giving more than taking. That's really what the entire thought process is. Not let, uh, letting anybody, da uh, uh, you know, uh, don't leave anybody behind giving more than taking, see what we can give. And that's how the community has grown. And uh, this theme of this, almost a nonprofit that we run, even though it's registered as a, a LLC for some other reason, we hardly charge anything. We operate everything at almost at cost. Maybe a little bit is saved for some, uh, giving it back to the runners. That's really how the, the uh, everybody volunteers. Each and every member in RSWB volunteers. Nobody does any, like from the coaches to the tech team to everybody. So we wanted to do like, why don't we codify this? You know, there was this idea that was always the case. And uh, we wanted to, uh, to set up a nonprofit 
wing of RHWB called RHWB Events. And the idea of RHWB Events is it'll be registered. It's a separate entity registered as a non-profit. And the idea here is we seek uh, charitable contributions and donations from our community and other uh, corporates, hopefully uh, future, you know, and sponsor events that drive this theme. This theme of ordinary people doing extraordinary things, driving uh, inspiration to people for regular mom and dads and uncles and aunts to come and do a half marathon and full marathon, which is what RHWB has done. Maybe help a community in villages somewhere, you know, in India and make the find the next Kipchoge in one of the villages in India. So, you know, we even came up with a tagline for this RHWB events, which is aspire, perspire, inspire. You know, you aspire for something, you work hard to achieve that, which is what we are just talking with Jaffer. And as you achieve it, you inspire a whole lot of people to do the same thing. So that is the RHWB events umbrella. And uh, as I got to know about uh, Jaffer's, uh, this Herculean sort of effort, uh, you know, we thought that we will use this as a forcing function to establish the RHWB events and uh, seek donations under that umbrella to do our small bit for your uh, uh, for your attempt. Uh, that's the that's basically what we are thinking. How does it sound, Jaffer? Thank you so much, Bala. And it is not the a contribution; it is the wishes that people have. I must mention that you know when I was climbing Mount Aconcagua, we had a group of about hundred people on the WhatsApp group who were wishing me. And when I was in my final summit push, and it was by no means an easy climb. It is it is going up. It was it was thousand meters higher than where I had been previously. But the wishes of the people, you know, they kept me going. Like, you know, just put that one step forward and then, then put the next step forward. So it is the well wishes of people that help carry us through to the finish line or the summit or whatever the end goal is. Awesome. Absolutely. So, so, so audience, what we are, we are doing is so the RHWB events is under registration. It will take a month or so to finish the registration for that. In fact, I've started the work with tax lawyers and such. So what we'll do is I'll work with Jaffer and put together a simple sort of web page that, uh, that gives us uh, his journey. And uh, we will, uh, uh, I'll work with him in the back end and, you know, connect uh, as sort of a contribution window that will essentially come to our RHWB account for the for the time being till we set the thing. And then, uh, you know, uh, I on behalf of Jaffer, I seek uh, support to uh, help our friend, uh, you know, do this uh, extraordinary thing. Uh, it'll be amazing to say that. And I'm going to give you an RHWB flag or something, Jaffer, to put it in there. Definitely. If, I, if, you, if, if you have a RHWB Patch, I would, I, I'll put it on for you. Of course, yeah, it would be awesome. <laughs> Anything, and I think, I think the the dream that you have started, Bala, I think it'll it uh, of RWB events. I think I really wish, and I really hope that it grows to something big and inspires. Right now, you have hundreds and or thousands of people. I I hope it inspires tens of thousands of people. Thank you, Jaffer, and audience. As you, uh, my personal sort of. Uh, should I say appeal to all of you is uh, please, uh, you know, open up your hearts and uh, for the yearly uh, whatever tax, uh, you know, it, it's a charitable thing. So it will be a tax deduction as well. I promise you we'll get that thing done. Even if it is not done now, we'll transfer that and give you a charitable receipt 
In that way, you will be able to claim tax benefits as well. Uh, denominations doesn't matter. Even small ones, tens, twenties, it's just small drops make big ocean, as they say. But it's all about, as Jaffer says, uh, the very fact that he knows that there are lots of people who's behind this for him. That is the biggest thing that he's looking for. And also, folks, all of you are working for different corporates. Uh, it might be if you if you are able to do that, if you can even talk to some of your corporate marketing department. Uh, you know, I know that a lot of corporates would like to just chime in with some as a branding theme from a, you know, from a, a sponsor sponsoring an Everest bed with some flags. And, you know, we can we can work through that, I'm assuming with Jaffer. But uh, I just wanted to make that uh, that appeal to all of you. And I'll send you the link shortly. And uh, let us uh, wish our good friend, granddad, um, what should I say, half marathoner, full marathoner, a mountain climber, a glorious con uh, success. And send us those pictures from the peak of the world, Everest. Thank you, Bala Bagolas. Like, I'll take the RSW flag on top of uh, uh, the summit. By the way, just before we end, I just want to remind you, Bala, this is the Gorekshep uh, Everest Inn that we stayed at in 2019. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I have it very, very strategically placed, Bala, which is wonderful to see. It gives me a nostalgic memory. But thank you, Jafar, for your time. All the very best, as you said. Uh, I, along with your family and everyone else, will be closely monitoring uh, your progress. Safety first. Uh, thank you. Come back first, safely, summit will happen or not. That, as you said, mountains will decide. Um, yeah. With that, thank you so much. Come back. Thank you, everybody. Thank you all.